Welcome back, everybody, to Crime Pros. I hope that you had a great weekend and are ready to learn about another crime in history. And this week has been a really challenging one for our world. There's a lot of things going on in the Middle East and uh, specifically in Afghanistan. And we're actually going to have some special information about that on our next episode. But on this week's episode, I'm excited to bring you another case where we have caught a killer. This one has resolution. It's not like last week where we don't know what's happening or who's responsible. We know the perpetrator. Justice has been brought. And so if you are someone who gets anxious about unsolved cases, fear not. We have good news this week. And if you've read the title of this podcast, you probably already know that our expert this week is an expert on all things family. She works in the adoption industry. She has degrees in social work and years of experience working in children's homes, as well as teaching parenting classes, and is a member of my own family. So please welcome my mother, Misty Lucas. Hello, mom. Hello, Jace. How are you? I am doing good today. Good. Um, Talk to us about families and what you know about how family tends to play into crime. So, as you know, family is very important. Family is very important to me. Family is very important in our development um, as individuals and um, as a community. So we have a tendency to respond and develop based upon our environment, which often comes from your family as a child. So I can only imagine, um, not an expert in crime in any way, but I do know kids and I know that the things they experience affect how they respond to things in the future. Interesting. Well, today's case is all about the family. It's all about the relationships between members of a family, betrayals within, and just how we relate to one another. So without further ado, this is the story of the Sachs family murders. So this story takes place not too long ago. Let's go back to the night of February 9th, 2014, and all is calm in San Juan Capistrano, which is a little town in Orange County, California. So not too far from where I am. Um, And specifically, all is calm in the home of the Sachs family. Now this home is owned by Andra, the mom, as well as Brad, the dad, and they have five children. They're two grown boys, Miles and Ashton. Miles is 22, Ashton's 19. They're out of the house. They live in Seattle where they go to school. Uh, But the other children, 17-year-old Alexis, 15-year-old Lana, and 8-year-old Landon live at home with their parents. And a couple of them are actually even adopted, uh, as I know is your field of expertise right now. Now, all is well, all is calm. The family is asleep until Alexis is woken by gunshots. She hears them once, she hears them again, gunshots in her home and she jumps out of bed and she sees a man running past her bedroom. And this man stops, he aims his gun and fires into her room, just barely missing her before continuing to run away and out of the house. Now she runs out of her room because she 
you know, knows her family is also in the home and she's heard a lot of gunshots and she finds her brother Landon on the floor. He's been shot and is bleeding pretty bad. And in the meantime, her sister runs into her parents' room where she finds Andra and Brad shot dead. Now, the sisters have to call the police. They're panicked. The police arrive, the home is secured. There's no gunman in sight to be found. And they go to work getting Landon to the hospital. He is still alive. He's in critical condition, um, but it's, it's quickly revealed that he will survive. And they also have to inform Miles and Ashton about what's happened to their parents. So the next morning, the police call Ashton first um, and inform him that his parents have been shot and killed. And Ashton is hysterical on the phone and he informs his brother Miles and they both fly home from Seattle to Orange County to care for their three underage siblings. Now, Landon is in the hospital for a short time after the events of February 9th, but he is pretty quickly released. He does though, have paralyzing spine injuries from gunshots. And the family attends just a few days later, the funeral of their parents, where the older boys, Ashton and Miles, will speak very lovingly about their parents. Now, pretty quickly, the police go to work to try and find a suspect, and there are plenty. The Sachs parents are actually multi-million dollar property landlords and business investors, and they have this huge portfolio of business holdings. They're both the members of several boards for a lot of different companies, and they have so many properties. And Brad handles a lot of the business dealings, and then Andre handles a lot of the landlord work. And she is especially known for being a difficult landlord. She does the bare minimum for her tenants, sometimes maybe even a little bit less. She's known for being really hard, for charging high rates. You, you know, as my mother, that I have had some pretty hard to work with landlords in my life. So uh, this, this is Andra. She's got a lot of enemies because she runs her business with a pretty firm hand. Now also, it's learned pretty quickly that recently Brad had voted to fire Andra from one of the companies that she ran. So there's, all, there's suspects in all of these business holdings, but they quickly learned that there's another suspect because in 1999, the Sachs family lost their daughter, Sabrina, who was only 16 months old. And maybe you can give us a little insight, Mom, into what it's like for parents to lose their children. Well, when, when a family member passes away, there's a lot of guilt and responsibility felt. So if I were a parent who lost a child, I would take that very personal and the guilt would be um, very extreme um, and would affect how I responded to other situations in my life, whether that would be in my work or whether that would be with the rest of my family members, um, either trying to overcompensate or just going into my own grief that I was experiencing at the time. And of course, as human beings, we all respond to grief differently. 
Um, so it's not necessarily predictable as to how a parent or how a family member is going to respond to that death. But it would be traumatic, very traumatic for the family and for the parents. Well, it was pretty traumatic for this couple because shortly after Sabrina's death, they split. Some sources say that they were actually officially divorced, um, but they did split in 1999. And pretty quickly, Brad had a new girlfriend. Now, obviously, uh, Andra and Brad did get back together. So within about a year of their separation, they decided to try and make things work, which is great. But when they got back together, Brad was still dating someone else and had to break things off with her. So now they have not only suspects from all of their business dealings, but also this girlfriend who was known pretty widely to hold a severe grudge against the Sachs family. Now she was easy to rule out. I think maybe they said she had an alibi. There wasn't a ton of information about her online, but she was pretty quickly uh, ruled out of the investigation, but they still have all of these business dealings that they're looking into and tenants who may have been, uh, may have been hurt by the Sachs parents. They're looking into uh, different business partners who may have held a grudge against one of the, the two parents or the other, um, especially because business dealings were even a little bit tense between Andre and Brad. Again, he had just voted to fire her from one of their companies. So there's a lot of tensions running high in their circles. Uh, but while the police are doing their investigation, the family has to settle into a new life. And Miles is granted guardianship very quickly of his three younger siblings. And his brother Ashton also petitions to be co-guardian. I don't know the term for that, but essentially wants to be a big part of his siblings' lives too. I didn't see whether or not that was granted, but I. I, could, I can tell that he was very active in his siblings' lives. Landon is released from the hospital with spinal damage, so they have a brother to take care of who um, you know, has a severe disability now and is having to relearn life because he's restricted to a wheelchair. They also have their two teenage sisters, and Miles assumes control of all of the family businesses, which is actually kind of interesting. So it's discovered that shortly before the murders, Brad and Andre had changed their will. And previously in their will, they had given control of all of their assets and their businesses and their estate to their family, uh, Miles and Ashton. And I think I even saw that maybe either Brad or Andre had like some siblings that were going to help to uh, What's the term? They were uh, supposed to be like the caretakers of the estate until all of the siblings were like old enough, you know? Um, sure. But they had changed the will shortly before their deaths to include a female friend of the family. Now there's not a lot of information available online about this woman. I actually couldn't even find her name, but I did read that she was a very distant acquaintance who the family did not know well. She did not live in the area. It seems to be someone that they had maybe done business with in the past and had just kind of kept like a professional relationship with. But what's really interesting is that she had recently moved from Orange County to Seattle where Miles and Ashton lived. And the will gave 
control of all of their estate to Miles and this random businesswoman. And actually the police started to notice that this woman and Miles were keeping pretty close company to one another. And she was spotted more than once at the family's home where they were staying. Uh, and the police actually went to question Miles one day and she was even there. So they're a little bit suspicious about this pair where before Ashton and Miles, as well as maybe their aunts and uncles would have been running the company. Now Ashton has been cut out. It's just Miles and this woman who he seems to be pretty close with, which mixing family and business seems like maybe some dirty water. It's very suspicious to the police and they actually try to investigate into it a little bit and to question uh, both Miles and this woman, but they refuse and are completely uncooperative uh, with the police investigation into them. So they have some suspicions and they decide that they need to see if they can find any other suspicious activity maybe. So they check with some neighbors of the family and find out that a couple of the neighbors actually have surveillance cameras that would have been recording the street and the block and the outside of the Sachs home the night of the murders. So when investigating the surveillance footage, they catch a white Prius speeding away from the house the night of the murder. And they match the timestamp on the security footage to the family's reports as well as to the 911 call. And they suspect that this is likely their killer. And so this is definitely a suspect. They certainly want to talk to this person. They have their suspicions about Miles and his lady friend. And so they decide to look and see, do we have any persons of interest maybe who drive a white Prius? And sure enough, someone in the Sachs family does, but it's probably not who you think it is. Did you, when you looked into this mom, did you see who drives a white Prius? I did see who drove it, but it's interesting. Um, that's not who I would have thought was Ashton. Ashton drives the white Prius, and that's not who I would have thought. Ashton, the 19-year-old college student brother, he's the one who drives a white Prius. So suspicions move from Miles over to Ashton, because Ashton, remember, was supposed to be in Seattle and when the police called him the next morning, he answered the phone and flew down to Orange County. So the police dig a little bit deeper. One easy way to check where someone is in the 21st century is checking cell phone records. We have the ability not only to see who people text or call, but we also have the ability to see which cell phone towers their cell phones are close to it at any given time. We can't necessarily pinpoint exactly everywhere that someone is, but we can say they're within a certain radius of a certain cell phone tower. And if you've ever been to Southern California, you know that there are cell phone towers basically every block, that's an exaggeration, but they're everywhere. So it's kind of easy to watch people's movements around the area. And when checking Ashton's cell phone records from February 9th, the police see at the beginning of the day, he starts up near Seattle 
And slowly throughout the day, his phone is pinging off towers all the way down the West Coast into Orange County. And call records also show that that night, shortly after the time of the murders, he made a call to American Airlines. And they are able to check camera footage at John Wayne Airport, which is in Orange County, very close to the Sachs home. And they see Ashton at John Wayne Airport in Orange County on the night of the murders. And another number that they see he called that night shows that he had contact with a company that transport vehicles and the police check in with this company. And sure enough, he had called them to ask them to transport a white Prius from Orange County to Seattle. So the police form a theory. Their theory is that Ashton drove down the day of February 9th, arrived that night, murdered his parents in their beds, and then flew back to Seattle to give himself an alibi that he would be there that night slash early the next morning, and then called a transport company who could move the car that he drove down to Orange County. They could bring it back to Seattle. And this is their working theory, but they quickly learn that it's not 100% true because the transport company never actually got around to taking Ashton's car from Orange County back to Seattle. And my mother is a, she's into true crime, so she might know this, but for those who don't know, it's really hard for police officers to look into evidence or, or anything that's outside of their jurisdiction. So if the Orange County police are investigating a crime, they need evidence to be in Orange County or else it can be really difficult for them to use it uh, as a part of their investigation or in court. So luckily they discover that Ashton's car is still at this lot that this car transport company stores cars on and it's in Orange County. So they're able to get a warrant to search the car and they find a gun. And ballistic testing proves that the gun found in Ashton Sachs' car is the same gun that murdered his parents on the night of February 9th. So on March 6th, Less than a month after the murders, Ashton is arrested and charged with murder. He confesses to both and is found guilty. And his motive is still a little bit unclear. See, Ashton had a really rocky relationship with his parents. He was kind of an unmotivated person. And after graduating high school, when he revealed to his parents that he was not planning to go to college, his mother did not take that lightly and more or less informed him that he was being enrolled in a school in Seattle to be close to his brother so that he could keep an eye on him. He also had a history of drug abuse, which they were not uh, necessarily supportive parents through that difficulty um, and gave him a pretty hard time about it. He also had recently started dating a woman who his parents did not approve of. And to put like the icing on the cake, he had recently dropped out of school and he knew that this would result in his parents 
at the very least berating him, if not disowning him. And as we saw, they had already changed their will so that he wouldn't control their company. So there was definitely a lot of tension and there's not a super clear motive, but it shows that he had a, a bad relationship with his family. And this has sparked a lot of debate amongst professionals about nature versus nurture and whether Ashton's parents' actions may have driven him to be a criminal. Now, obviously nothing justifies the act of murder and he is certainly not justified in committing the crimes that he committed. But what do you think, uh, mother, <laughs> about this uh, nature versus nurture debate with Ashton Sachs? I definitely think nurture has an impact on us as human beings. It has an impact on how we respond to things. It has an impact on um, our emotional regulation. Um, it does not sound like Ashton had healthy relationships with his family. So that affects him in a lot of ways. And you can see that in the choices he made. So, you know, nurture is in there as not being successful with him because he was not his needs were not being met in the area of being nurtured um who knows like we don't know everything i read says you know no one really knows what his childhood was like even mm -hmm. um pre-teenage years when he started making poor choices so it it raises question as to how this has impacted him ultimately we know he is 19 years old um, in the United States that is an adult and his choices are then seen as choices by an adult um, but it's sad it's sad because we don't know the whole story and we don't know what was really going on um, in his young years because 19 is really young to make the choice to kill someone absolutely and we definitely don't want to be heard as victim blaming we of course again don't think that Andre and Brad deserved the brutal brutal murder but it also goes to show you that a lot of times when these heinous acts are committed there is more of a story behind it and just the importance of supporting people and helping them to get the help that they need and the resources they they need because ultimately we knew we know that he had a ashton had a history of drug abuse we know that he had problems with alcohol we know that he didn't make the best choices in dating and he wasn't particularly motivated and he had also suffered trauma with the loss of his sister when he was younger so there again like nothing justifies what he did but there yeah. was obviously a lot of trauma in this boy's life and Perhaps if he had seen the professionals that he needed um, or had received the support that he needed, maybe he could have had help or at least been in a better place um, to not commit this crime. Right, right, exactly. And so it's hard. We cannot predict human behavior. I mean, I can't predict your behaviors. Um, I can take a good guess a lot of times. Um, but we can't predict human behaviors and we all are human. We all make mistakes. Some of us make bigger mistakes than other people. 
Um, sometimes it's impacted by trauma. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just that emotional regulation. So none of us really know the full impact of why Ashton did what he did. Um, I think when, as I was learning about this case, I was sort of um, caught off guard that it was so easy for the police to figure out who did it mm -hmm. so quickly. Um, but I think, you know, there again, there's a lot of things in it that are, make you question and make you want to ask more questions, but we will never know the answers. And it's, it's a horrible thing that happened to Brad Nadra. And then it's horrible that his brother had the spinal injury as a young child. Mm -hmm. um, that's just, you know, unimaginable. And like Ashton knows that he did those things. Yeah, yeah. So today, Ashton remains in prison where he'll stay for the rest of his life. And his brother Miles is now the head of his family. His two sisters are in their young adult years. And of course, his brother Landon is uh, a teenage boy who's growing up. Um, they, Miles is quoted as having said that the day that his brother killed his parents, he died to the family too. And they continue to live with this trauma and try to heal. Miles continues to run the family businesses and the rest is history. So what are your thoughts? We've reached the end of our story. I, I am, I don't know what the right word is, but I am, my heart's heavy. I guess that's the right word. My heart is heavy because this truly is a tragic family event. You know, there, there were, there, there was the time for there to be many blessings within this family, many opportunities and the tragedy has taken over. And that makes my heart very heavy for um, this family. Yeah, it's definitely a hard story to hear. So Make sure that you love on your loved ones a little extra this week. Enjoy time with the, the people that are around you. We hope that you enjoyed this episode, that you learned a little something. You got to hear my mom's dogs and my cat probably all in one recording. So what a time. Um, thanks so much for listening. Do you have any final thoughts, Mom, before we go? I don't think so. I think I've enjoyed it. It was a new case to learn about. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. My, my mom is like new into true crime. Her favorite is uh, the Delphi murders that we learned about last week. <laughs> so I'm glad that she got to be a part of it. <laughs> Thank you again for being a part of this week's episode. Thank you to everyone who listened. And we will see you right back here next Monday for Crime Pros. Thank you for listening to Crime Pros. Make sure to download this episode and subscribe to the show. If you like our true crime stories, head over to Apple Podcasts and let us know with a five-star review. Crime Pros is hosted by Jace Lucas and is a production of Amped Media. This week's guest is Misty Lucas. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Amped Media Official. See you next week for a new crew crime. See you next week for a new. See you next week for a new true crime story and a new true crime pro.